Save a little bit of a clap. Save a little bit of a clap because we have a very, very special speaker today, Morgan. Come on up here. They're ready and they love you, Morgan. Wonderful. What more can you ask for? Here you go. Would you like if I pray with you? Is that all right? Father, thank you. Thank you for this amazingly gifted young lady. Thank you for who she is to us as a community and a family. Thank you for her gift that she applies as she serves us on staff. Lord, thank you that she's a woman of incredible faithfulness and incredible faith. That her life is marked by your presence and surrender to the move of your Holy Spirit. You know, thank you that she's led by you. I pray that today, as she shares the word that you placed in her heart, that she finds complete freedom. That the gift and the anointing you placed in her life would flow to bring life as she reveals your heart for your people to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Sajid. Good morning, everyone. Let me type in my password quick. No one look. Hold on. Okay. Um, if, if you don't know me, like Saj said, my name is Morgan, and I have had the privilege of serving on staff here for the past about four years, and so it is really a high honor and a joy to be bringing you the word today. Um, I want to share a word that's been on my heart for quite a while, um, and we're going to be talking about our focus, and um, I'm going to give you three distractions that we've seen in the Bible and maybe about how they can be applied to our lives today. So um, we're going to start in Hebrews 12. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Hebrews 12, and I'm going to be reading from the message translation for this just because I love the way that it puts it, but we'll have it up on the screen in case you don't have it's a little bit of a long passage, so if you're behind on your Bible reading plan, I'm about to catch you up, so don't worry. It says this, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all the veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish line in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in the faith, go over that story again, item by item, by item that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So what this is saying is that Jesus could endure anything and he could handle anything because his eyes were on the finish line. And here's the thing. If you do not know where you're going and if you do not have a compelling future and if you don't know why you're here, why you're building, what you're building for, you will not live fulfilled in the present. And I'm not talking about this prosperity gospel of being really happy in the present, but you won't know where you're going. 
And so we'll live our lives day by day without an understanding of what we're here for. I'll give you an example. So Dylan and Robin are married. And so if Dylan and Robin, if they don't have the finish line in mind that they want to have a very vibrant, healthy marriage, that they want to be best friends for forever and be faithful to one another, they're going to be very vulnerable to anything that comes their way because they don't know where they're going. They don't know where they're going as a relationship and then also as them individuals. And likewise, for people that are not married, if you don't have the the heart and the passion to, if you desire, to be married one day, you're going to watch whatever you want, you're going to talk to whoever you want, and you're going to make a bunch of decisions because they, it really doesn't matter. And so it's be, it's very important that we're very clear and focused on where we're and focused on where we're going. Because Jesus was able to endure anything, the cross and the shame, because he had his eyes on the finish line. And now it says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, praying every day that we get it together and that, we, that we're going to make it. And so this is a really important, and this has been such, a, um, such a, a burden on my heart almost, is that we need to be very sober-minded and understand the distractions that come our way. And so I don't know about you guys, I, I just feel sometimes that my life ramps up and whenever things get a little bit crazy, it's very hard to keep my eye on the finish line. And especially whenever we're facing such problems, what is the finish line? I think about our world today, we thought the finish line was whenever lockdown would end, we thought maybe the finish line was the vaccine, we thought maybe the finish line is racial reconciliation or a, prob or a problem solved in society, whatever it may be. But the reality is, is that you didn't begin your journey and you're not gonna end your journey, right? And God's got you along the way. And what I want to show us this morning is a man in the Bible who got very distracted and how um, three of these distractions can perhaps apply to your life. I know they definitely apply to my life and how he got his power back. And I want you to walk out of this auditorium today um, knowing and feeling fully confident in the fact that we can keep our focus on God and we'll make it. Is that all right? Okay. So we're going to look at the life of Peter. So Peter, as you know, I, maybe you know, he was a fisherman. And the first moment that we stumble upon Peter's life is whenever Jesus comes to him in Matthew 4, and he says, come follow me. So Peter drops everything that he has, and he goes and he follows him. And then the next moment we see is that Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, and depending on their relationship, I don't know if that was a blessing or a warning, I don't know. But So he heals his, his mother-in-law, and then we keep going in the life, and um, we land in Matthew 14, which is where we'll start reading out of. And Jesus comes to his disciples, and he tells them that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been beheaded. And he says, guys, I got to go away. I got to go away and grieve and mourn. And so he sends them out on a boat and says, I'll meet you on the other side. And don't you love that we, we follow a man and we serve a God, that he gets bad news and he goes, I'm out. Like, I got to go away for a moment. I got to go pray. And so I just love that fact. So he sends them out on a boat and says, I'll meet you out there. So the disciples get out there. And let me just say, these are not... Um, these are not boys that just enjoy fishing. They are fishermen by nature, okay? So they are vocational fishermen. Their fathers are fishermen. Their fathers' fathers were fishermen. It is their lives. So whenever we read, perhaps you know this story, whenever we read that they get out there and this storm comes and they become terrified, I would assume it is a very, very bad storm. So they get out on the boat and they hit a storm. And, and now let me ask you something, and this is not a trick question. 
Who told them to get on the boat? Jesus. So you're telling me that sometimes Jesus tells us to do something or asks us to do something, and we hit a storm because we obeyed. And this first thought I want to bring to you today is that perhaps some of the trials and the tribulations that you're facing is not a sign of disobedience, but perhaps could be a sign of obedience. This life that we have, that we have chosen to commit to, it's not easy, but there's hope, right? But whenever we can get kind of confused about this sometimes because God can appear one way to us when we're on the shore and our feet are toasty and dry and we're sipping our virgin pina coladas or whatever it is that you like to drink. And, and we can think, God is so amazing. My life is going so great. And then we get out on the boat and we start to panic and spiral because he think all of a sudden he's left us. And so in, and the fact that the storm was so bad that the disciples thought they were going to die, right? So now we're going to read in Matthew 14. We're going to read Matthew 14, verse 25 to 32. It says, during the, fourth, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Now, this is where Peter starts to sound deranged. I would be like, if it is you, shut it down. But he says, no, if it is you, call me out to you. Come, he says. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when, the wi- but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And then they climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. So Peter, so Jesus tells Peter to come out. When he gets out there, he begins to look around at the wind and the waves. And the moment that he begins to focus on all the facts around him, he begins to sink. You see, Jesus, I would like to propose, Jesus is teaching Peter, a critical truth that he was going to need for the rest of his life. And I believe he was teaching him about focus. This wasn't some teaching about walking on water. It's not like you get baptized and then they take you out and they teach you how to walk on water and that's a sign of a Christ follower. We never see it again. So that was not the real point here. The point was Jesus was saying, if you keep your eyes on my face, Peter, if you keep your eyes locked on mine, you'll be able to do it and you'll be able to walk in the wind and the waves. And our first distraction that I want to bring to us this morning is I think one of the greatest distractions we can face is fear and unbelief. And friends, I wonder if some of us in this room are not heavily distracted by fear. What will happen next? What do people think of me? Where am I going? What am I doing? And I think Jesus is saying to us this morning that if we focus on him, it'll be okay. But here's the thing, the facts are very real, right? And sometimes life is really tough and there are real storms around us and you're not making it up. But as Christ followers, we don't dismiss the facts, we just don't let them define the truth, right? And that's it. So we don't go, oh, it's not happening, everything's okay, and because and, that's delusional. 
So I'm not asking you to be ignorant. I'm just saying don't let this, the facts stop you from the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is that God is on his throne, is that you did not start your life and you will not end it. He is not confused. He's not concerned. He's not, he's not worried about what's going to happen next. And so my question to you this morning is what wind and waves, perhaps incredibly valid ones, are distracting you? And where do you need to lock eyes on Jesus so that you can walk on the wind and the waves that are also coming? And I love it how, how it ends because as soon as Peter lifts his head and he starts looking at Jesus, Jesus reaches down and he pulls him out and then the winds and the waves die down. And, and I don't, I don't, this might apply to you. I know I have many times in my life that I've been crying to God that he would stop in the wind and the waves and stop the storm. And I feel like he says to me, not until you look at me. Because the reality is, is that if your only strategy for handling hard times and for going through difficult seasons is that God would miraculously stop the turmoil, and sometimes he does, and I don't know why he does sometimes and, and sometimes not other, others, but it's not a strategy that you can pass down. It's not a strategy um, and a strength that you can teach your children or your children's children or your peers or the people that you lead. You see, he's teaching Peter focus because he knows he's going to need it again, right? So a big distraction is fear and doubt. And this is the last thing I'll say about fear. I just, as I was, as I was praying through this this morning, I felt such a like a sobriety in my spirit and, a, and an alertness that I feel like for some of us this morning, God is grabbing us by our spiritual shoulders almost and saying, look at me, who are you going to serve? Because the reality is, is that if you serve fear, it will destroy you. And I, and I know that sounds really exciting and like I'm a coach giving you a pep talk before a match or something, but I have to do this every day. I wake up and I'm like, oh, who, who are you going to serve, Morgan? What are you going to do in every situation, in small and big things? Who are you going to serve? Are you going to be a faith-filled person? Am I going to walk around with great faith? Or am I going to walk around very fearful? So we need to be faithful. Are you all still with me? Okay. So the next season we see Peter in is that he's been following Jesus. He's a disciple. And then all of a sudden, um, Jesus is going to the cross, right? So he, y'all are familiar with the story. So he goes to pray in the garden of Gethsemane and he leaves the disciples and they begin to sleep. He comes back and he wakes them up and there's the kind of the scene that happens and Judas walks in and all of a sudden it becomes very apparent to Peter that Judas is the one that is going to be betray Christ. So he, he realizes, oh, this guy that I've been traveling around with and doing all this stuff with, he's now a traitor. And I, I love this. Peter gets angry. And he's like, this rat, right? He's, he was one of us, and now he's, re, he's about to betray our leader. And what happens is he walks in, and he grabs his sword, and out of his anger and out of, his, out of a, a sense of justice, he cuts off the ear of one of the guards. Now, I don't know about you. I'm an Enneagram 2, and I just love for everybody to be very happy and very calm. And so whenever I read this story, I'm like, Peter, Calm down. Don't be so violent. But he's overcome in his emotions by such a great injustice. And, and he acts out. And y'all know what? I think another huge distraction for Christ followers is injustice. And what I mean by that is this, because it can get misunderstood. So I, I hope you're going to hear me on this. 
Peter sees something that is so wildly unjust, and without wisdom, he acts. And then what happens? Jesus, he grabs the ear of the soldier, and he puts it back on his ear, and he kind of looks at Peter and essentially says, what are you doing? Like, this is not how I'm going to win the war, right? This is not what I'm doing right now. Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I think there are times where we need to rise up, where we need to advocate for healthy justice, and we need to stand up for one another. So I am a firm believer in that. But we can't fight every battle, and we can't win every war here on earth, right? And so we need to have such wisdom and such grace about asking the Lord which ones we're supposed to engage in and which ones he's calling us into. And, and what I think for right now is perhaps, I, I know when I was preparing this, I was like, oh, I definitely am. Perhaps some of us are fighting battles that we were never called into. And, and I just wonder if maybe the enemy isn't taking us out by apathy or just by not caring or laziness, but he might be distracting us by getting us to fight for things and fight in things that we were never called to fight. And I love Jesus because he essentially says, I, Peter, I know that this is the way you thought I was going to win, right? But, but I'm going to do it in the opposite spirit. I'm, going, I'm not going to lay down my life. He's doing something different. And if there was ever a time that was so unjust, I think it was whenever Jesus was about to be betrayed. If there was ever a time that was so undeserving and so inappropriate and so unjust, it would have been them. And so... My second question I want to ask you is, have you gotten yourself into wars and into battles that you weren't called into? Maybe it's relational, maybe it's generational, or maybe it's a cultural or a social um, controversy that you're getting yourself into. Maybe it's on Facebook. Maybe you're going to be a little keyboard warder and tell them what's up. But in Proverbs, it tells us that even a foolish man will appear wise if he keeps his mouth shut and he's discerning. And as the church, if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, you know what we'll become? Just a movement of people that do very good things. And we don't need more of that. I know there are thousands of charities. There's a bunch of... um, people that advocate for really ethical and moral things. But whenever you became a Christ follower, you didn't join the Peace Corps, or you didn't, you didn't just become a philanthropist. No, 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 you're, you're pointing people to the savior of the world, right? Not just, not just so that they can live a peaceful life now, though that is really important. But us just being good people, it doesn't change lives. And it doesn't save souls. And it's not building for something eternal. And so we need to make sure that we're operating in great wisdom and, in, and, and with the Lord's grace and his calling whenever we begin to stand up for things. So we've seen that he has been distracted by fear and doubt and unbelief, and he began to sink in the wind and the waves. And then we see that he's just overcome by something that he, feel, that he sees and, and, and is actually so wrong, but without wisdom he acts. And then the third distraction that we're going to look at from Peter, I think, is very clear. He's at the cross. Jesus is getting crucified, is about to be crucified. And Jesus goes to Peter and he says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I love you. I don't know what you're saying. 
Well, then we fast forward and we see Peter saying, I'm not with him. He's not mine. I don't know him. Well, why? Because it was going to cost him his life. It was going to cost him something. And I think for many of us, the distraction of self-preservation will be the last distraction that we face, which is this. Are you a Christian? Well, I'm a person of faith, but... What are your thoughts on um, homosexuality? What do you think the Bible says about this? Well, I think that maybe the Bible is just like a little bit outdated. I personally think this. But, you know. Do you go to Well of Life? Mm, I like their worship, but... Because you know. the moment that we realize that, that to stand up for what we actually believe in, and if it's going to cost us something, and then there's opposition to us, we, we cower down, don't we? And so we're going to have to fight for it. So we see these three distractions, and then it says Peter kind of just breaks. He realizes, oh my gosh, I've been so distracted. And then we fast forward to this final moment. Jesus has died. He's been resurrected. He went to heaven. And the disciples are believing and praying for a move of God. So they're in this room, and, and, and the fire from heaven is coming down, and a crowd is beginning to form. And there's about 3,000 people around, curious about what's going on because it's really chaotic. And one of the disciples stands up and essentially says, I'll go out there and I'll tell them who Jesus really is. And it's Peter. It's Peter, the one who sunk in the wind and the waves, who was cutting ears off, and who denied Jesus not one, not two, but three times. And he finally has this moment where he stands up in front of his whole generation and he says, I'm with him. And I can just imagine in the spirit like that, that he's st- sitting back and he's considering all the things that he's done in his life, right? But he locks eyes with his creator and he locks eyes with the author and the finisher of his faith and he starts walking towards the finish line that he was called to. And the Bible says that Peter led one of the greatest revivals in history. The man who was o- so wildly overcome by fear the man who was just acting out of of great emotion, and then the man who denied Jesus at the cross. So we're like, fail, fail, fail. But I think this this is what we can learn from Peter's life, is Jesus tells us, keep your eyes on me, and you can do anything. And I don't know if this resonates with any of you, but I feel like I'm speaking to myself this morning because I so deeply can become distracted by so many things that are demanding my attention, that are that evoke great emotion in me, and that cost me something, and they're often very valid. And so I'm not dismissing any of it, but, but no matter the situation, and no matter the topic, whatever it is, the Bible's very clear that if our focus is not on Jesus, we won't make it. Because the reality is, if it's not this battle, it'll be this one. And if it's not this one, it'll be this one. I don't know anyone who's not going through something. And so we need to make sure, not that we're just problem solving, but our eyes are on the actual solution, right? And we also need to understand that if our eyes are on Jesus, we're then pointing and leading everyone else along with us. But if we're too busy solving everyone else's problems or freaking out about certain things, either you become the savior or there's really no difference in your life than in an unbeliever because everyone has anxiety and everyone's afraid, right? And the truth is, 
One day, this is so exciting to me, the truth is one day we will all die and it will all go away, right? The wind and the waves will no longer be there. The tears will no longer be there. The Bible says that, that we will be resurrected in heaven and we will live eternally. We will be absent in the body and present in spirits. And friends, I want to tell you, heaven is a very real place. Jesus is up there now with, with the host of heaven cheering us on. And I don't know, I mean, that fills me with great, great courage. Is that everybody that has gone before us, they're up there saying, you can do it. And our life is but a whisper. And it'll be over like this. And it really does matter what you do here. Yeah. Scripture also says that we're foreigners here. Right? So, so we, we're not made for this earth. Whenever we get up into heaven, we're not going to be like lost up there and trying to be discovering this new place. We're not going to be asking for directions or hoping we don't run into our ex-boyfriend or something like this. No, no, no. We're going to feel right at home. Our spirits will come alive. We will be reunited with the one who made us. And we'll be rewarded for the way that we stewarded our lives here. And so your life matters and your focus is essential to your life. And I'll finish with this thought, so if the band wants to come up. I think many of us, I know I do, we got to get our eyes back on Jesus. i got to stop focusing on what everyone else is doing. i got to stop panicking about the wind and the waves and being overcome by the unjust parts of life. And the part of my heart that is, that is wrapped up in self-preservation. Because all of that can go away. Because I want my life, I want to be on a platform, not a platform like this, a heavenly platform that is leading people to Christ, right? And so I can't afford to be looking around. I can't afford to be gazing at all the facts and all of the problems around me. I can't afford to be doing that. I have to keep my eyes locked on him. And no matter how long that you've been following God, whether you've been following him for decades or maybe you met him yesterday or maybe on your way here or something, I don't know, the enemy is a liar and he is out to steal, kill, and destroy you. And so if this is new news to you, I apologize, but you have a real enemy that is after your life. And we are in a battle. And, and I don't mean to scare you because there's still great hope. We've, he has won, won the ultimate victory. But we need to be sober-minded, and we need to keep our eyes fixed on God. So I wonder if we can just close our eyes. And I want you to evaluate which of the three distractions, maybe it's one of them, maybe two, or maybe all three, is taking hold of your life and your thoughts and your hearts and your mind today. Is it fear? Is it what's going to happen? Will I do the wrong thing? Am I going to be okay? Or is it injustice? Are you just so overwhelmed and crippled and distracted by the things that are wrong? Or is it self-preservation? Are you worried about maybe your coworkers will find out what you believe? Or if your family doesn't approve of what you're doing? Again, all very valid things. And I just feel like the word over us this morning is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Get your head up and lock eyes with your creator and that your life would mean something and that you wouldn't just live and then die, but your life here on earth now and the way that we walk through it would be a tangible reality of his kingdom on earth.
And so God, we surrender these distractions to you. Lord, we repent for ways that we have not um, kept our gaze on you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you would fix our eyes. Lord, would you be um, exalted by your people this morning? And would you fix our eyes on you? Amen.